Hey guys, I'm out here, and guess what? Guess what happened? I got it. We're building it, baby. We're putting this mofo together. I'm not gonna cook it tonight. I don't know if I'm gonna get to do it this weekend. I was trying. I was thinking Thursday, but uh, sadly. I think it's going to rain, and if it does, I'll probably uh, have to postpone till next week, but next time I have freedom, I've got my chimney, somebody told me to get, uh, so I got that, and I've got, um, got some Kingsford's, got some Kingsford briquettes, going to do it up. First, though, we got to put it together. So that's the first thing we have to do. So we gotta find the little doohickeys we gotta put on these things. I like to think that uh, the charcoal is still made by secretive artisans who go out into the forest and chop down trees and, and burn them into coals. Secretly plotting to uh, overthrow the kingdom of the two Sicilies. Anybody get that reference? Anybody gets that reference? Congratulations to you. You win uh, the Dennis Miller tote bag. Alright, guys. Here we go. Brain like Wojak. Oh, I don't know if that's good or not. Is he stupid? He could also be very smart, though, right? Wojak? Or is Wojak always dumb? Because the thing is, is that, like, so there's the brainlet Wojak where Wojak's stupid, and that's considered earnest, right? That's that's sort of considered to be him. I always think of the brainy Wojaks as sarcastic. The brainy Wojak, there's are never earnest. You never earnestly employ the, the brainy Wojak, but you do employ only earnestly the dumb, dummy, dummy uh, brainlet Wojak, making me think that Wojak is inherently dumb. No, this is not going to take that long. It's it's. I looked at the directions. It's actually pretty straightforward and not doesn't not that complicated. I mean, look what I just did. Boom! I did the first step. Already done. Already done. Look how good I am. One of the things that motivated me to actually, I got this thing over the weekend, and what really motivated me today to, to build it, I was kind of like, eh, do I really want to do it? I don't know if I'm going to have time to grill even before next week. It was seeing the discourse today by being a fool that I am, and I don't know, I mean, I kind of have the excuse that it's part of my livelihood, hilariously enough, but going online and seeing that we're having the same arguments, exactly the same arguments that everyone was having before Bernie. And then nothing has changed at all. Not even, none, you could change. You could just repost all your old posts, and the same people would reply with the same posts. Why? Why would you do that? What you can't be because you think it's going to change anything. The fact that you're still doing it proves you know nothing will change. So why are you doing it? You need to ask yourself that question. Well, I put these guys in these guys. These directions are very helpful. They tell you how to do it and then how not to do it. 
and that's actually good for people like me. I'm, I tend to have bad instincts with putting things together, and I end up going like, no, no, this is right, and then no, it's a disaster. There we go. Okay, you got to do it all, all first. All right. Life does come with an instruction manual, it's true. Got the arms uh, got the arms ready now I got to do the other thing I gotta put them on uh, please don't yell at me just because I don't know how to buy buy uh, grills Weber is a name that I trust it's synonymous with quality okay buddy don't go judging my, my grill purchases. I shall not judge your choices in life either. I'm, I, people need to remember, I'm a grill novice. I've been to many a grill, but I've never been the grills ma grill master. Because I am, I'm a, lack, I'm a late capitalist baby man. And as a result, I had an arrested development. Now I'm trying to correct it by reclaiming my male heritage. That's right. Me and Bronze Age Pervert are going to get a podcast together. Those are That's irony, in case anyone was wondering. Oh, shoot. Did I do it wrong? No, I did it right. Everyone always talks about the big green egg, too. That thing seems way too fancy. It does too much stuff. Well, it's just, I don't need to do everything. Just give me something to, put, put, to grill things in. Yes, it's the Max Weber Grill. One of my one of my uh, favorite nerd tweets I did. The Max Weber Grill for the slow cooking of hard meats. I do want to do corn, but sadly my grocery store does not have corn.
Okay. I think this is working. I I need corn. This is New York. It's a corn desert. I know if I were to go home, there'd be corn everywhere. But sadly, here in the city, no, they've got kikama. Uh, I would do maybe baked potatoes, right? Put potatoes in the in the foil. Fish would be really nice. I used to do that when I was a kid. Fish in, in the foil with the lemon. Very good. All right, next. What do we do after we snap these puppies in? All right, now we got this triangular thing here. Uh, here we go. Now I have to do the delicate dance of connecting this. I would I would like to try to smoke something. I know that's a little ambitious, but I would like to try. Rub mayo before you wrap them up. I bet that is good. Then you can do elotes afterwards. Oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. All right, so this thing, it's got to go. All right, it's got to go. Wait a minute. Yeah. Not doing, this isn't going well. I'm being proved to be a soy boy. My soyness is not undeniable at this point, but in, my, in fairness to me, I am trying to do it and talk. I don't want to leave too much dead air, so I'm not, I'm not as focused as I would normally be. Uh, put through one. Oh, that's why, okay. Oh, I get it now. I get I did it wrong. Yes, I'm trying to become a soy man and stop being a soy boy. go through the thing. trial and error. Look, I'm teasing this out, alright? I might cook something. I might cook something, but I don't think I have enough time. 
I might. I don't know. I, I only, all I have that's available to cook right now are some Nathan's hot dogs. Is the thing. I forgot to take the steak out of the fridge, so I, freezer, so I can't cook it today. That's the problem. All I got is all I got is some hot dogs. I don't know if that's enough. What am I gonna do? Just eat. I'm I'm here by myself right now. Am I gonna eat a bunch of hot dogs and then just uh, we go one man uh, Coney Island hot dog eating contest? I was gonna start with one steak and I was gonna be like, bang, put a steak on the grill, eat it myself, like a guy in a PUA video or like a, a red pill uh, uh, man going his own way. I, I own people with my carnivorous uh, lifestyle. But I, I, I miscalculated. I forgot to unthaw the, my, the steak I have, so now I'm stuck. And I'm sorry, I just can't bring myself to do that. So I think it'll come. It'll happen. There will be, there will be grill streaming. Besides, think of it as sort of like uh, the way that those dang Hollywood studios will draw things out at the end, you know? How they had to make two Hunger Games movies out of one book getting as much grill content as I can out of here. I am on that grind. You guys saw the tweets. You guys saw uh, all the, uh, the the political economy of Chapo takes that uh, that displayed our reactionary souls to the world. I gotta say, it is, it is pretty funny having people have the exact same arguments that got resolved along the exact same axes. When people basically just got bored and stopped talking about it. I mean, has anyone ever noticed that? That that's the only way these things ever end, is that people just get bored? Doesn't that make you think that maybe it doesn't... That all of the talking isn't really doing anything? But, I gotta say, there is... I wouldn't say that we ever encourage this, but the simple fact is, like, the charge that we're... the Chepos are grifters, or whatever that means never really made sense because it's not like we were saying hey give us money and we're going to elect somebody to a high office or hey give us money and we're going to like start a new like um, some new paradigm for something it was hey give us money and you can listen to an episode of us talking and that was always the deal and we explicitly said that was the deal and we said from the first episode like the thing we were most worried about was giving people the idea that you can do politics through consumption of media and we said, don't do that. But the thing is, we've talked enough about how, and I've talked a lot in these streams about how there is no such thing as political action outside of the internet for most people. They can't conceive of it. They don't have anything in their lives that feels even vaguely political. And so they're going to make that assumption, even if they're not even conscious of it. They can say, oh yeah, I know it's not real. I know, it's, I know that this isn't uh, politics. But it is. It is because what else is politics? It's not like there's a lot of practice in your day-to-day -day life that you can look at and say, that was a political act. Most people are living their lives. They're trying to keep a foot ahead of, trying to either find a job if they can't or, or you know, keep their head above water. They're not really, and they wouldn't know what to do if they wanted to. And even and the ones who do want to find themselves alienated from everything. And so they seek the only community they can find at the click of a button, which is online. Because in their lives, it's too difficult. The questions are too hard. The, uh, 
the fear of rejection and the fear of uh, getting a- alienating people is too high, and also the re- re- return is so low. What are you going to do? Talk, uh, talk to everybody in your life about politics, and then they all just stop talking to you? The internet is there. You're going to find it, and then going there is going to d- define your own conception of your political identity. And so, even though we said it's not politics to listen to the show, and even though I'm sure most people who who listen to the show agree with that in principle, I think for all of us, and myself included, there's an element of self-deception there just because there's no alternative, you know? And and that is why when, like, the Bernie campaign hove into view as, like, a real nationwide moment that could potentially have uh, shifted the understanding, the understanding of basic, you know, political reality by more and more working class people it was it was it was worth doing and our our role with our role related to the campaign was because we think this is a good thing we want to tell people to do it but it's not politics until they do it you know there has to be that that alchemy that decision to get off the couch and listening to podcasts can help you determine what that is by exposing you to things like hey here's this candidate Here's this campaign. Here's this thing you could do. And then you can follow that up. That provides a context and that provides you with motivation to get up. But the act itself is the real political act. The attempt to impress your will on the world. It's not being impressed on the world on the internet. We collectively impress the world on the internet, but our individual contributions are basically non-existent. All of our, all of our meaning comes from our actions. And so we benefited from that delusion, and we suffer from that delusion. So, but I, I, I will say, and you, of course, if they, people don't want to believe this, they won't. I, it was never an intentional. Uh, uh, it was never an attempt to mislead. There was never an attempt where we were saying, "Ha, huh, these idiots don't think this is politics." We knew it wasn't politics. We never thought it was. We knew that what we were doing was creating these friendship, a friendship simulator, basically, for this new group of, you know, underemployed uh, millennial, mostly, at the time, uh, people who were wildly alienated from the political world because of the, the its failure to live up to it, their expectations of it, uh, and who went online to find people who shared the same view. So, while I really don't think that any of those criticisms are right, because those people who believe them are at a fundamental level captured by this fantasy in a way that even pointing it out infuriates them. They need us to be political because they need podcasts to be political. They need posts to be political. They need that or else their identity is, it will be undermined. I mean, the person who is saying, you know, why aren't you, I wish leftists posted harder about defending North Korea than they do about defending Chapo Chapas. And it's like, well, okay, what if they did? Why would that make you happy? What, what about that would make you happy and make the world better for you, even just individually? Because you can't be delusional enough to think it would mean that anything would change, that any of those regimes, oh, look, they're able to cooperate against the hegemon more effectively thanks to those posts. You don't really think that. What you think is, those posts about Chapo make me mad. 
and the posts about North Korea make me happy. I would like to see the happy. I would like to see more happy posts, please. I would like to see more posts that validate me. That's that's what everyone wants, but that's just what you're looking for. You're looking for for identity formation and and, uh, and validation. It's not political. I uh, got to get a hammer and a screwdriver. I'll be right back. back. Here we go. Now we got to put on these little doohickeys to keep the wheel on with the hammer. Come sa. Nice. garage has been closed for a bit. But who knows what the future will bring. There we go. We now have we have wheels. We got some wheels on this bad boy. guy oh no anyway this is what it looks like well now we're gonna flip it over there we go the kettle the kettle itself 22 incher the classic here will be Feasts and delights of the senses and the soul. All right. Next. All right. So we put this plate guy in there.
I'm having some difficulty with the uh... yeah I get that alright let me ask let me check a question here I don't want to get people too antsy because I know you can't really see me when I'm getting in this but I'm honestly kind of honest honestly kind of happy because they suck what why is it bad I'm sorry I'm sorry just trying to grill Yeah, there's this hubcap thing. I gotta hook it out of the bottom here. I might have to get on the ground. Not very. It's a little awkward. I'm, well, that's the thing. Is I think they're kind of mad that I'm not grilling today. But like I said, uh, the spirit moved me, and it was a little too. And I was didn't have time to get my steaks thawed. And also, I wanna. I want to stretch this shit out. I might make a nice uh, marinara sauce tonight, though. Might do that. I've kind of been feeling like I want a little mwah. I mean, that is a good point. Actually, if I wanted to be up my ass here, and let's do it. Let's get up my own ass for a minute. Uh, the reason I should show... The reason it's good that I'm streaming, building the grill before I even think of grilling on the stream is that you can't skip steps. It's one of the key things. That's why you end up on the internet all day thinking you're doing politics. Because you look for a place that will be emotionally validating without stopping the, to realize how far you've abstracted yourself away from your actual day-to-day -day life. So you can't just eat the hot dog or the steak until you have built the grill, put in the dang coals, lit up the dang coals, Heated up the dang coals. It's all necessary. And the act of doing it impregnates it all with more meaning. Building a grill makes you appreciate the grill more. What is happening to my brain? That's a good question. I've been asking myself that same thing. And I don't know. People have opinions, that's for sure. People got a lot of opinions. I don't really know yet. The jury is out, in my opinion. I guess that is my only opinion, is that the jury is out. All right, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do the pie plate later. It's not that important right now. I'm gonna put in the grills. And the big boy. All right, now you got your classic, now you got your classic setup here, your classic American, all-American setup. Uh, yeah, I want to do corn. Um, I would like to do peppers. Uh, I've actually found that like those blistered peppers are really good, and they'd be really good on a grill. Uh, definitely that. Uh, potatoes, like I said. Well, somebody says, don't do beer can chicken. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I have some... The thing is, I have a bunch of steaks in my freezer i got to get through before I think of doing anything else. 
when I get those bag, bad boys cooked. I also have some pork shoulder that, I, like I said, my dream would be to uh, to smoke that one, but I know that's more that's more ambitious. I'm going to need a little more time to be sure that I can pull that one off. Uh, and then, oh, I got to put the cover on here. That's what that's for. Oh yeah, they got to keep things branded. Very clever. But I also would love to do um, the Beyond sausages because I've been eating more of those. Felix is basically kind of guilting me into it because I don't really, at this point, even have. You can't even have much of a flavor objection because those things are damn good. Uh, and I think they'd be good in a grill. So I'd also like to do some sausage. And uh, those their patties are good too. Oh man, lamb kebabs. That sounds fantastic. Oh Jesus, I'm going to do it. How am I marinating the steaks? I think I'll probably do the marination. Marinate that bad boy. I don't know. Oh, it goes through both. Probably do it maybe overnight. A couple hours, I don't know. I mean, they're really good, so I don't, I'm not too worried about them not tasting good. Ooh, lobsters. I have done... Ooh, I did a grilled lobster tail. It was phenomenal. I'm, that's a really good idea. Uh, I mean, honestly, the fact that Hank Hill used was a, was a propane salesman, you could kind of look at it as an interesting case in ideological formation. You know, because... Um, Upton Sinclair had a famous quote where he said, no, um, no man can understand something if his paycheck depends on him not understanding it. And so if you're Hank Hill, and, you know, I don't know how he got into the propane game, but if he didn't come at it from love, if he came at it out of necessity, over time he would convince himself that propane was better, even though in his heart, his, his fucking Texas heart, he knows it's not. He knows that it's all coals. So... He's literally like lobotomizing himself to to reduce the cognitive dissonance of alienating his labor on behalf of an inferior meat grilling uh, method. He is a he is a sham. He is he is unmanned, and all of his masculine virtue signaling is just a hollow, pathetic attempt to to reclaim agency over a life that is essentially as a serf in on the on the properties of. Uh, of Mr. Strickland. I mean, the main thing is, is that it's not, I don't have anywhere near the space back here for a grill, for a fucking propane. I barely have enough for this. It's time to screw the, the handle guy on to the head guy over here. Yeah. Grill.
Yeah, and the funny thing is, is I know that those like Beyond Burgers and shit, they're probably just as deadly, but at least I'm not hurting other animals, just me. And I have it coming, so it's fine. Like you get through you get through certain levels of enlightenment. Like there's one level of enlightenment where it's like, oh, my pleasure doesn't have to come at the expense of these animals. Then there's another level where, uh, oh, I can get something that's similar, but it's still killing me. And then you get to the point where you say, it doesn't matter that it's killing me. At least it's not killing them. And then you get to the point where you realize, I don't actually have to eat this salty thing to enjoy to enjoy my life. That I, I can I can find pleasure in all experiences if I apply myself to them with the right mindset. All right, so I got this guy on here. Yeah, a screw. Anybody got a screwgy? I gotta screw this guy on here. There's a little wing nut guy. I gotta find my little wing nut. I gotta find my little wing nut. No, I don't mean Ben Shapiro. Boom. Drop the mic. Mic has been dropped. No, I'll probably like move through the the, the the ranks of the animal kingdom just like uh, Felix has, away from bigger, bigger, more expressively faced, more sympathetic animals. Uh, like it'll be hard for me to ever really care about chickens. The way that chickens are exploited, of course, yes. But like the the platon, like the the kind of the idea of a chicken getting killed, in general. I'm never giving up my oysters, though. I'm never giving up my little my little salty darlings. these guys in here with something. Did I not get that piece or am I miss did I forget to bring it out? I can't find that screw. I can't do it. I hope I didn't lose it somewhere. You're very anticlimactic. the screw this is not well, this is once again not redounding to my uh, benefit as a he-man yes yes I am a Wisconsinite but love oysters but I am a coastal Wisconsinite remember the, the, the call of open ocean is, 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 is as deeply part of me as my being as anybody who grows up next to the next to either of the of the, of the great oceans of the world because uh because Lake Michigan and the Great Lakes are inland oceans in the sense of you stand before them and they have the enormity of the sea. You can't see across them. They contain, they, they consume, uh, in fact, 
Uh, I might read from Moby Dick on this point. Oh, yes. I will read from the man himself on the subject of our third coast. In describing a character known as Steel Kilt, uh, he refers to him as a lake man. And in, in this uh, chapter, Ishmael is talking to some Spaniards in Peru uh, about the experiences of a ship where there was a, a, a mutiny. And one of the mutineers, the mutineer leader was named Steel Kilt, a lakeman from Buffalo. And they asked him what those words mean. And he says, On the eastern shore of our Lake Eridan, what I crave your courtesy may be, you shall soon fur hear further of thou that. Now, gentlemen, in square sail brigs and three masted ships, well nigh as large and stout as any that ever sailed out of your old Calau to far, far Manila, this lakeman, in the landlocked heart of our America, had yet been nurtured by all those agrarian freebooting impressions popularly connected with the open ocean. For in their interflowing aggregate, those five fresh those grand freshwater seas of ours, Erie and Ontario, and Huron and Superior and Michigan, possess an ocean-like expansiveness with many of the ocean's noblest traits, with many of its rimmed varieties of races and, and of climes. They contain round archipelagos of romantic isles, even as the Polynesian waters do, in large part are shored by two great contrasting nations as the Atlantic is. They furnish long maritime approaches to our numerous territorial colonies from the east, dotted all around their banks here and there are frowned upon by batteries and by the goat-like craggy guns of lafty Mackinac. They are heard the fleet thunderings of naval victories. At intervals they yield their beaches to wild barbarians whose red painted faces flash from out their peltry wigwams, for leagues and leagues are flanked by ancient and unentered forests, where the gaunt pine stands like serried lines of kings and gothic genealogies. Those same woods harbor wild Afric beasts of prey and silken creatures whose exported furs give robes to Tartar emperors. They mirror the paved capitals of Buffalo and Cleveland, as well as Winnebago villages. They float alike the full-rigged merchant ship, the armed cruiser of the state, the steamer, and the beach canoe. They are swept by boreal and dismasting blasts as direful as any that lash the salted wave. They know what shipwrecks are, for out of sight of land, however inland, they have drowned few, full of many a midnight ship with all its shrieking crew. Thus, gentlemen, though an inlander, steel kilt was wild ocean born and wild ocean nurtured, as much as an audacious mariner as any... And for Randy, though in his infancy he may have laid him down on the lone Nantucket beach to noose at his maternal sea, though in afterlife he had long followed our austere Atlantic and your contemplative Pacific, yet is, was he quite as vengeful and full of social quarrel as the backwoods seamen, fresh from the latitudes of buckhorn-handled bowie knives? Yet was this Nantucketer a man with some good-hearted traits, and this lakeman a mariner, who, though a sort of devil indeed, might yet be inflexible firmness, only tempered by that common decency of human recognition which is the meanest slave's right? Thus treated, this steel kilt has long been retained harmless and docile. At all events, he had proved so far thus, but Radney had doomed and made mad, and steel kilt, but gentlemen, you shall hear. Edmund Fitzgerald, exactly. Uh, no, the, the third coast. I remember I did it. I, I, I said I tweeted something about coastal Wisconsin the other day, and people freaked out. It's a coast. 
And I honestly do feel like there is something cultural different about living by water. And obviously it's, you know, it starts with the fact that people have to go by water because you need water to live and to get things from one place to another absent, uh, absent mechanical power. But there's something else. There's a feedback loop. I mean, what's how? It's it's weird. Like it's the only part of the non. It's really the only part of the country other than uh, the coast that routinely voted Democratic. Even though its its demographics are pretty much the same as the rest of the seething mass of square state reactionaries. Uh, I'll take your word for it on Duluth. I've never been. I'm still trying to figure out what happened to those uh, nuts. Yeah, Joe, Joe Perry is great. I know he's from Buffalo. And the funny thing is, it's the same accent, too. Rochester, Buffalo, those people have the flat nasal vowels of the upper Midwest, from Michigan across to uh, coastal Wisconsin, and then you get in, you get past the coast, and it turns into the Fargo accent, which is real and is associated with the inland squarehead uh, Scandinavians, who make up Western Wisconsin and Minnesota. And that's the thing. I mean, obviously, these terms are all uh, arbitrary, but the Midwest, even though I have a pretty strong opinion about what I think the definition of the Midwest is, I think a strong argument can be made that there are different different Midwests and, and that a state, you know, a state like Indiana to me is less similar to Wisconsin than, you know, northern New York is, like I said. And that is why Ohio is such a weird one. And honestly, it's why it's the most Midwestern state. Ohio is the, is the Midwestern state. And it is because the northern tier uh, is, is that. It's on the water. Uh, it has even the same, even the same uh, settler group. Uh, the, the Western Reserve in northern Ohio was settled by the same uh, Congregationalist uh, ex-Puritans from New England who settled Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, and then the southern half was settled by butternut uh, uh, southerners from Virginia and, uh, and Tennessee and Kentucky. And that, that is the Midwest, you know, because Indiana is much more butternut than, uh, than Ohio is. Uh, and you got Illinois, which is basically entirely butternut except for Chicago. Uh, but then, like, Wisconsin is not really butternut at all. And that's why, I think, it's, it's, it was reliably more democratic. Uh, because these things have resonances that echo through history. Um, or at least they had a contributing role anyway. Uh, so 
Ohio has everything, whereas not all the other Midwestern states have almost that perfect balance of the things that shape the Midwest, the the, the, er, the first migration, like settler migration patterns before, you know, subsequent, because obviously then you get the Germans. You get the Germans and you get the German Triangle between St. Louis, Cincinnati, and Milwaukee. And that's the, But that's all laid on top of the first uh, generations who set the, like, cultural firmament that then got built up upon. Butternuts are, were the name for settlers and recent emigres and who had moved to the northwest territories of Ohio and Illinois and Indiana from Virginia like move because everybody just kept moving kind of straight across once this once the Northwest passage Northwest territory opened up to settlement after the revolution because we were mostly fighting for the right to keep expanding past the Appalachians which the British had said no to because they didn't want to pay for it so everybody, once they started moving, they moved basically straight west. So New Englanders settled northern, the northern tier of Wisconsin, of uh, the Midwest, and uh, the t- tidewater and uh, and like border south, uh, border border southerners uh, did the lower tier of the Midwest. Because, like, you got a state like Wisconsin, which is almost entirely, which is all, which is pure New England, congregational. Then you got a state like Michigan, Missouri, which is some people consider the Midwest, uh, and in some definitions, I guess you could say it's arguable. But that's all butternut. But what they have in common is then that overlaying of German immigration from the mid 1800s, uh, and that German immigration, by the way, is the only reason Missouri did not join the Confederacy. Because uh, once the secession started, the uh, German citizens of St. Louis, essentially, which was the only major city of any size in the in the in the in the in the state, immediately mobilized militia forces that were able to drive the uh, pro-Confederate uh, political faction out of out of the cities, and they then allowed the Union to like march in. Th- those, uh, anyway. I could talk all day about the Midwest. The Germans hated the slave power because they saw it as as they saw it as class domination. They saw it as rich dominating poor. And just because the uh, uh, it was black people today, it would be white people if things were different. Which, as I've discussed on the show, at the very high levels of planter society is what they thought. They thought, why are you having these dumb uh, Irish immigrants running around your cities and paying them you know, pennies to live in tenements and, and work in your factories when you could just keep them, keep them in, a, in a humane conditions uh, under control? Uh, but but like the the overlay of race and of, of uh, and and the fact that so many people were directly or indirectly related to slavery as an institution in the South cha- uh, made that impossible to see. But the the Germans showed up and they didn't have any of that. They didn't have any investment in slavery as an institution. They didn't have the ideological uh, uh, the ideological structures that had grown up around slavery. So they just saw it as, as exploitation, as 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 another element of of of, of workers. It, not just some of them thought of it as workers against uh, against capital, but a lot of them were thinking about the fucking the way that Prussia just marched back into the Rhineland and and and, and in Bavaria and, and snuffed out all the attempts to to create a unified Germany. 
Instead, you had these fucking those uh, Lutheran psychos in Prussia uh, ruling Catholic Rhineland, and nobody was happy about that. But they saw the same uh, they saw the same pattern. They were they were foes of princes. Yes, because because and the Irish were the opposite because the Irish were generally poorer and had a harder time uh, because, uh, uh, assimilating into the United States, which means that they were lower on the labor pool, lower, lower lower on the labor and social totem pole, and had more interest in maintaining a racial distinction to keep them on the right side of getting enslaved. Yeah, I'm talking about Carl Schurz. Although Schurz had a, was kind of got shitty after the war, but of course the king of this is my boy August Willich. Somebody told me that they were writing an August Willich biography, which was a project a long time ago I wanted to do, but I was stymied by German and Fraktur. Uh And then I started doing the podcast, and I was like, I'll just talk about him all the time. That's way less work. Um, but if he does it, I hope I hope it comes out. I would love to read it. I, it's funny. I've tried learning, dude. I I, I had I did German my entire collegiate life. I just I can't. I mean, maybe now would be different. Maybe I would take a different approach. But I think my elasticity is fucked. I just don't have a brain for it. It's similar with math. I think that there's shit in my brain where they just got some bad wiring in some places or another related to symbolic orders and like abstraction and stuff. Because I can do very good abstract reasoning, but not along, not if it's outside of the, the 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 terms of English language. If it's not English language, my understanding of what the symbols mean just kind of goes away, and I can't hold them in my head long enough to move them around. And that's true of math and foreign languages. I really don't know why it is. I mean, part of it is I was lazy, but it also was very, very difficult. It seemed harder for me than others. I don't know. Oh man, the, the Garibaldi and the Civil War thing is fun. I mean, it's not as real as people like to think it is, is the deal. It's not like Garibaldi was almost a Union general. Uh, what happened is that somebody offered, on behalf of the of the America, but not authorized by Lincoln, is the thing, offered him a generalship. And, and he said, I'll do it if you say to end slavery. And then Lincoln said no, and honestly, it was probably more of just a way to get out of a thing that he didn't want to do anyway. I mean, he had never authorized it in the first place. Uh, but the thing is, is that the war that Garibaldi would have fought 
is a war that the United States couldn't have authorized in 1861 because it would have been a revolutionary war. And the American and the American position from Lincoln to from Lincoln to everyone signing up to fight to everyone on the home front, for the most part, except for radicals, was relatively was not revolutionary at all. Because Garibaldi would have done the things he would have taken the the the, the, the contraband strategy of you know Fremont and Butler and and turned it into a a like a kind of uh, I mean he was sort of a proto mile that's he would have turned it into a, like a, an army like a, like he would have uh, uh, like I talked about when uh, the idea of Toussaint rolling through uh, the underbelly of of the deep south out of uh, French Louisiana and just collecting troops as he moved uh, obviously that has logistical problems but it also uh, has benefits, but it would have required uh, uh, making ending slavery the central goal of the war from day one, uh, and entrusting, like, arming, and in the, uh, authorizing the idea of arming and, and training uh, ex-slaves immediately. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those deals where the conditions, the actual material conditions, would not have allowed it. But it is a cool idea to think about. Certainly would have imagined a different reconstruction. Felix, I don't think he's vegan yet, but he's pretty close. My worry, though, is that he basically just eats replacement meat instead of meat. And like you guys have said, that stuff has got a lot of sodium. Woodworking sounds really good. I've always thought that would be fun, but I'm I'm very physically disinclined in a way that I think could, uh, especially I don't want to make too much noise around here too. What would I consider my best practical skill? Ooh, that's a toughie. I really I'm pretty good driver, I guess. I am a pretty good driver. Some th some disagree, but I know I'm correct. I have tried pottery. I think I would have to to go into it into a with a very open mind, and I think I could do that now. I've been trying to draw a little more as a thing because I used to draw a lot as a kid before I got horny, basically. Uh, and I used to draw Civil War battle scenes, big ones, like three or four pieces of paper, like a cyclorama at Gettysburg. I've looked at them as an adult. They're not terrible. I can't draw hands, though. Like, no one can draw fucking hands. If I could be a correspondent for any war, what would it be? Well, it's got to be the Spanish Civil, right? Come on. Madrid? Dodging the bombings with Hemingway and Gellhorn and fucking John Dos Paso and shit? Fucking Orwell being a prick? 
Ah, yes, the Hundred Years' War. That is a good one. Mostly because it's mostly it's very few battles. You know, you got your Agincourt and, and, and Poitras and shit, but it's mostly sieges and then just going out and burning down a village, just doing Gregor Clegane in the Trident shit, chevouches. Hey, we're gonna do do some war. What is that? We're just gonna stab some peasants and burn a bunch of wheat. And then you have, I think, one of the most interesting things about the uh, the Hundred Years' War, the Jacquerie, where the peasants were like, you keep getting your ass kicked, and we keep getting stabbed to death by these fucking British assholes. What are you doing? Like, what, what, are, what, is, this, what is this whole aristocracy thing doing? You guys are supposed to be badasses. You know, like, knightly, knightly authority comes from military prowess. Like, that's, that's who got, that's who the, uh, uh, that's who the second estate is. And uh, so they had a huge peasant revolt, uh, massacred the shit out of a bunch of uh, fat lords for getting them keep for getting them killed, and then they they just got their asses kicked. Now, no respect for Henry VIII. He was a button masher, or I'm sorry, Henry V. Henry V was a fucking button masher. He just hit he hit Welsh longbowmen over and over again, like a. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't respect him uh, as a... It's like he, He's like the guy who plays Street Fighter and just does E-Honda and just does the hand the whole time. I'm talking about me because I am a bad video game player and a button masher. So, yeah. If you're as good at war as I am at video games, you get no respect from me. I love Mothman. In fact, I want to do something about Mothman. Specifically, um, the book, uh, The Mothman Prophecies, which is so good and weird, and it still amazes me the movie that they made out of that piece of shit. Amazes me the terrible movie. John Keel is like an all-time weirdo. Cla- like an American like classic. And they, t- and they had... Richard Gere play him as just this sleepwalking douche. Just like all the different theories, all the different, like, the thing about Mothman is it's not just Mothman. The Mothman stuff was happening at the same time as an insane bunch of weird-ass alien stuff. And not just close encounters, you know, of the second kind. Like, people having long conversations with aliens. People going out into space and coming back, or at least claiming to have. People getting visited by men in black. It's like, it's just, it's a prism of all of that jet age uh, paranoia in a small West Virginia town, which then had a fucking giant bridge collapse. Yes, I would like to do some more about Mothman. Uh, the alternative dimension theory of aliens that's the only theory that makes sense uh, uh, I, I highly doubt that any civilization would get to a level of advancement allowing for actual interstellar travel through space by itself but it's possible to imagine one getting to a point where it could like interpose at its own will direction through the quantum space 
and then into another area. Because obviously, we, you know, multiverse, yes, it's infinite, it's, ever, it's exploding, it's coming out of every... Yeah. There's, uh, there's multi... It's, it's, it is... Uh, Rick and Morty, annoyingly, is basically right. No time travel, just dimensional travel. That is what actually would be... But then the thing is, that could technically be time... Or, I'm sorry. Uh, they have, I'm, I'm talking about space travel. Both of them. But either space travel or time travel would be essentially dimensional travel. Not actually th- going through time from one timeline to another, or space from one place to another. I don't think either one of those are possible through any kind of technological uh, advancement. But going through either... because. If I go through the quantum space and find another parallel dimension that started a little later or a little earlier, then you're at a different point in time. And if it's similar to my world in almost every other respect, it's for all intents and purposes, I'm going back in time. But what this means, and this is very important, is that time travel cannot work like it does in Back to the Future or uh, Looper or anything where if you do something to yourself in the future after you come back it does something to you like where the guy's arm gets cut off and then his arm, his kid version arm gets cut off and his arm gets cut off or when they fade out like in Back to the Future nope every time you go back you are creating a new reality there but the one you came from is the same nothing has changed you cannot change the future by going back in the past not for the people who experience it only for different people in a different dimension so there is no so that resolves the whole grandfather paradox thing. You create a new world where that person didn't exist. You go, you go there, you're not there and you can hang out there. You go back to where you were. So you, if you if, if they ever develop time travel, it can just be really for entertainment purposes only. You can't change anything. You don't even need time cop because it's impossible. It'll it might fuck up other dimensions, but the one you're in, nothing will have changed. The clapping should be beginning shortly. Actually, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. You're not traveling through time. You're going to a different dimension that happens on a different time scale but is otherwise the same. So it has the same people, and this is the same historical development of humanity down to the individual level. I hear it a little bit. It's quiet. This is the quietest it's been that I've noticed. I think people are sick of it. You know what it is? I think people are sick of it here. This not clapping anymore is sort of the lib version of wanting to go to Lake of the Ozarks or uh, Red Lobster or something. It signals that even they are running out of that sense of self-worth that comes from denying, denying themselves by staying in. All time is simultaneous, correct, yes.
we're not going to be able to ignore the second wave, but I think we're going to try to, to be normal through it, and that's going to be very weird, because I really don't think they're going to do another shelter in place. I don't think they can muster the, the will for one. But people are still not going to go out as much, because they're still going to be afraid of getting it. So that's a weird limbo, and I don't know how viable, how long it can last, how durable it is. How durable. Yeah, everyone's rolling. I think the antibody test might help if that becomes more widely available. And they're ramping up actual testing for this thing itself, so who knows? I don't know. That might change things. Is there this name? Is there some sort of meme making fun, making uh, pretending that I'm a weeb? Is this happening? People keep people keep making weeb references here, and I don't know. And I and I'm like, I'm not, not one of you. But no, I'm actually. My guess is that's. I bet that honestly, I think most of that fucking UFO stuff is bullshit. The fact that it's it's part of this like this it's wrapped up in a TV show. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, there will be no damned convention in July, so I'm not going because uh, it does not going to exist. Because it is not going to be it, it, in the interest of the party. The party's the Democratic Party's interests are not uh, served by having a convention because it will look like things are normal and their whole deal is going to be Mr. Not Normal made everything not normal. We have to stay home. Can't have a convention. Not to mention the fact that they have an actual split in the party a little bit and they don't want to exacerbate it. Trump, on the other hand, has to have one because if even the Republicans are staying home, that undermines the entire thing that he's been saying for the past three, four months. But at the same time, how how much are these rich old people willing to to, to risk their lives? Because these people are a little, you know, they're I think a little less Kool Aid drinky. But I I don't know. I think maybe that generation is gone. Maybe they're all cool. They're all Kool Aid all the time, and they are all gonna just run into the maw of death. And if they do that, I will be there. <laughs> I will I will go to the Charlotte convention if it happens, for sure. No, like, uh, uh, how how do you beat that? How do you how do you how do you not go to like the plague convention? How do you not go to to a, 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 the the orange rapist game show man, the Cheeto himself presiding over a baying arena filled with 
carbuncular jackals all coughing in each other's faces in some sort of weird death ritual while outside the economy is in ruins and they're stacking bodies in fucking refrigerated trucks. That's fucking... That is bosh. And not the show on Amazon. And I gotta see it. Eat your heart, 1968. Suck me. I'm probably not gonna die. I think... I don't know. I mean, if I've had it by then, maybe I'll do it. If I haven't had it by then, maybe I won't. But I don't know. I'm kind of getting to the point where I kind of think everyone's gonna get it. Oh, I will definitely be well, well, uh, well tinkered to go to that. Uh, rest assured. Biden might refuse to... See, that's the thing, is that Biden might refuse to debate Trump. Especially if he's up in the polls. Um, now, that would be very funny for a Democrat to do that, because that's the kind of shit that they fetish, fetishize and love. Uh, so it would be very hard to justify it in a way that didn't just reveal, oh, his brain doesn't work and he doesn't want to talk. But if it's necessary, they'll figure out a way. They always do. They always buckle. But the main reason it won't happen, whether one of them is going to say no, or there's going to be some third wave, that uh, a second wave thing that just knocks the whole thing off the front pages and we just have military rule. And one way or another, we're not, we're not lucky enough to have that debate. A world where Trump and Biden are the nominees is not a world where you get to watch them debate. Alright guys, I'm sorry. Uh, this is mostly done. The only other thing I don't have, the only thing I haven't done is screwed the handle on, but that'll take two minutes when I get this bolt, and if I can't, I'll go buy one. Uh, so that's step one. The grill is basically ready. It will be fully prepared, fully functional. It'll be a fully armed and operational Death Star in time, sometime I think next week. I do have a chimney. Thank you for whoever first suggested the chimney. I made sure to get one. I'm all set, uh, and I'm going to start grilling. I'm hoping to do a steak, a test steak next week. All right. Talk to you guys. Bye-bye.